1997, following the AFRC coup, which toppled Tejan Kaba's newly elected government, the Organization of West African States mandated the Nigerian-led military force, ECOMOG, to reinstate Kaba by military means. We were almost losing hope because we had uh, nowhere to look up to for security. The government was determined, but it didn't have the necessary security backup to be able to protect the people because we saw them frantically making efforts with ECOWAS, with the UN, with the OAU then, to have a backup that would help them uh, maintain stability. But there was none. Economic intervention started very well. It started in a timely manner. And uh, um, it could have actually helped stop the war much earlier. But also they lacked the logistics as well as the numbers to be able to effectively control the security situation all over the country. At the end of the day, Akamog was, was doing pretty good. I mean, I, you know, I think one of the things, um, there's been far too much criticism, I think, particularly of Nigeria and the role in Sierra Leone, yet they were the one country in the world who were prepared to send soldiers here to die for the cause of democracy in Sierra Leone, when nobody else was prepared to do that. I was here at the time, of course, when there was the sort of the, the discussion on how much support ECOMOG should be given. And I think we have to bear in mind what the position was there, particularly as regards Nigeria itself. That was the time, of course, when Sani Abashi was president of Nigeria. Nigeria was somewhat shunned by the international community. There were sanctions imposed upon it, indeed. Um, within the UK context, um, there was no assistance and not even any dialogue going on between military and military. Um, so it was a difficult time in which to consider uh, assisting ECOMOG, which predominantly was sort of being led by Nigeria. I mean, that being the case, what I do think was very praiseworthy was that um, we were able to persuade British ministers that um, or whatever was happening in Nigeria, that here in Sierra Leone, Nigeria and Ekamal was a force for good and indeed we should support them. The call, the, the call by West African leaders to, to the international community to support ECOMOG fell on deaf ears. Uh, they could have stepped in and actually have beef of ECOMOG and support logistically. ECOMOG would have been more effective and more supportive. With the efforts they put in when they were here, with more support and more coordination, ECOMOG would have been able to solve the problem. ECOMOG was here simply to work with government to protect, you know, government as well as the citizens, especially those within government control areas. But 
um, Unamsil came and uh, eventually the people come, came to understand that they are here as a peacekeeping force who could not fight either party. And that was not, that didn't go down well with the people. I mean, some would argue that the mandate just wasn't sort of strong enough. It didn't sort of have the sort of chapter seven sort of uh, capability of being able to sort of engage the enemy, that it was essentially a peacekeeping mission. Um, but others would have said, well, there was actually no peace to keep. The peace had to be made. Um, as a result of that, equally, the UN force initially, the mandate from the UN Security Council only allowed a 6,000-man force, which, quite frankly, was not enough um, to undertake the task. Well, the problem with that is that they were here with all the arms and ammunition, but they could not fight, even when the rebels attacked civilians with all the atrocities all over the country. I think the RUF initially were, were wary of the UN coming in. Um, but when they realized that certainly in the early days that the UN were not really going to take them on, um, they felt sort of more um, encouraged to sort of you know, up, uh, change up their, their tactics and sort of become more aggressive. The UN came and they came merely as observers. <laughs> you can't observe in a situation of war, and therefore they, they themselves were, were eventually captured. I mean, 500 or more of them were captured because they were not even capable of defending themselves, so let alone Syrian Union. So that phase of UNAMC was, was very useless for this country. It didn't help anybody. It didn't help themselves even. But I think in situation of crisis, one has to be very clear. You have to, you have to side, and side, I believe, with the people with the sovereignty of the state that was at stake. I mean, Sierra Leone was, 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 was being destroyed, was being ruined. I mean, the people were, were being killed, were being maimed. Everything was going down the drains. Sierra Leone was going to be effaced on the, on the face of the earth. So I don't think any, any you know, well-meaning uh, force would sit by and say, let us be neutral and let us, be, let us negotiate and see how they will manage to come out of this mess. We thought we were, a, a, we are a sovereign state, we are a member of the United Nations, we are part of the international community, and uh, we are a democratically, we have a democratically elected government which was um, observed and uh, which was endorsed. So we thought that an affront to the sovereignty and to the elected government of this country would have been challenged by the United Nations. So since that was not the case, well, we couldn't put up any, any force, but we saw that role being played when the British came. Because they came, they said, we are going to support and protect the government. And for us, supporting and protecting the government at that crucial moment, as long as it was the government we elected, we thought supporting the government is supporting the people and protecting the people because it is the principal role of our government to protect the citizens. I think Sierra Leone policy was run out of the Foreign Office. I mean, it might be that ministers weren't very engaged and it wasn't very high priority and it became a much higher priority and that's partly because the Department for International Development was created with this much more powerful commitment to 
development and therefore to Africa and therefore needing to end some of these conflicts and help people build modern states. The military engagement came unplanned and was originated from an evacuation operation and then the realization that it would be turning our back on Sierra Leone and letting down Sierra Leone for British troops to go in uh, with all the kind of historical reputation Britain has in Sierra Leone and take out our own citizens and leave them to it. And it we were flying by the seat of our pants and we won that argument to keep them there and then we had to engage much more seriously. That's how it happened. The British demonstrated that you know, when they brought in their forces they were prepared to use force, use it very effectively. Um, and that was the turning point. And from there on, all the time there was a British presence here. Um, they, there was no suggestion that the RUF or the XFRC were going to be able to mount any serious challenge. You know, they could have done what they did much earlier. They could have actually helped forestall this crisis, you know, by coming in. They shouldn't have allowed Sierra Leone to degenerate to the extent it did. And they remain partners. They remain quite supportive of all the governments that came and went. And so to some extent, they were part of the problem of this country.